Um, how many know Thanksgiving is coming upon us? Are you all ready? Have you been fasting so that you can just indulge? Anybody? Okay. Whatever, man. So I've been, I've been eating good lately, um, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the season. I love Christmas, and, and I love, what a beautiful time to talk about the grace of God. And uh, we are a church that preaches the good news of grace, the gospel of grace. And, and we preach the finished work of Jesus. It's so important that we get the revelation that happened 2,000 years ago, and we grow in that revelation. And not only do we see who God is, but we see what he's done, and it changes who we are, and we, we become who we really are. Come on, somebody. And so grace is uh, amazing, and grace is flowing to us daily. And so we're going to talk today about the expectation of grace um, this is a revelation that I really believe will, will help us all. It helps me, and so I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, we're going to be going into some other things, too. We're going to be talking about hearing the voice of God, how grace not only gives us a different type of expectation, but it changes our perception. And so what does it mean to hear the voice of the Lord in the paradigm of grace? How many know you can hear God, but if you're still under the law, it will sound like condemnation. God will be speaking to you about something in your life, but it's going to sound like condemnation because you're, you're choosing to live under the law of sin and death. It literally filters the way you hear God. And so God wants to take the filters off so you can hear crystal clear what the Spirit speaks to your life in the spirit of grace. Come on. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about how grace changes our perception. There are spiritual realities that we have come into, and grace helps us and awakens us to realize uh, who we really are. So, you know, like from a perspective of a specific church culture or, or maybe like what we're used to and maybe a specific paradigm, we might feel like our spiritual reality is, is you know, we're... Uh, you know, hoping to get there someday or hoping someday God will have mercy on us or, or maybe not even that. Maybe it's just we're still striving for things, but grace changes our perception of spiritual realities and we realize that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and it shouts that we're sons and daughters of the living God. That's something to be excited about. You guys just changed traditions on me. You went from Pentecostal to something totally different. And you're still there. Look, look at the person. Look at the person next to you. Say, "Wake up! Come on, somebody!" Grace changes our perception. That we there are spiritual realities. If we are used to a specific uh, culture or uh, you know paradigm, it, it, we're going to hear shouts of condemnation. We're going to hear shouts of of really who we're not and what's wrong with us. But when we have the, the reception of God's pure voice and the perception of spiritual realities, it changes all of that and it helps us walk in our identity. Come on. And so we're going to be getting into that. I'm not preaching on all that today, but I just thought I'd give that to you. Uh, we'll be getting into that in the future. Today, we're going to be talking about the expectation of grace. Um, uh, oh, you have your Bibles open in Romans 5. Did I already say that? Well, you should have been led by the Spirit then, y'all. Sorry, man. It's not my fault you're not listening. No, I'm just messing with you. Romans chapter 5. Thank you, Timothy, for laughing at my jokes. Sometimes you're the only one, but you bring it out of me. And I get funnier and funnier. 
Romans chapter 5. It's literally, he's the only one who laughs at my jokes right now. Thanks, guys. Romans chapter 5. You know, I've learned not to, uh, to I've learned to ignore the hecklers. And, uh, what? Girl, you look good in the Holy Ghost. God bless you, my sister. <laughs> all right, let's stay focused here. Jesus, help us all. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Beautiful portion of scripture. Romans is so rich. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. You got to read it all. You have to read it together because there's so much richness in all of it. Uh, obviously the whole book, but if we're talking about grace and things, there's a shift in chapter 5, and you have to keep reading all the way through chapter 8. Uh, so in verse 17 of chapter 5, by the way, in our school of theology, we actually go through verse by verse, chapter 5 through 8, and we do like a, a whole verse by verse study, and the message is about grace and our identity, um, and we go through the whole thing. It's beautiful. Verse 17, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Can you say amen? amen. The one man in the trespass is referring to Adam. And then the other man is referring to the second Adam, Jesus, fully God, fully man, the God man that came and he brought grace. Grace and life come in the revelation of who Jesus is. I want, I want to talk to you today about this expectation and this revelation that, and I, I'm telling you, if you get this, it will change your life. If you understand that God's abounding grace is flowing from heaven to you 24-7, every second, it will change your life. Grace doesn't just come, uh, you know, like, like sometimes if we pray just right. Grace is available 24-7. Come on. And grace flows from the very heart of God. And grace is not just like some mystical thing. Grace is the very presence, power, and nature of God that flows to you from heaven 24-7. If you get that revelation, it will change your life. You will begin to live in a state of anticipation. You'll begin to live in a state of trust. Remember, we talked about faith. The flavor of faith is rest. The flavor of faith is not striving. That's, that's unbelief, striving, striving, striving. But we enter in the rest of God. You can read about it in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, where the author of Hebrews talks about how that we've now entered into the rest of God. And, and literally the opposite is those that have continued to walk in unbelief. But the flavor of faith is rest. And there's something about leaning in and trusting and living in this anticipation that grace will supply everything that I need in my life. And so whatever you need in your life, if you are struggling in any way, if you need provision in any way, how many know grace is sufficient? Grace is abounding. There's more than enough. Now, when you wake up in the morning, do you think, I, I, maybe some of us do, I don't know if we think we're living on another planet, but do you, do you ever wake up and we're like, I hope there's enough air to breathe today. Praise God. How many get up in the morning and just know every breath is supplied and there's plenty of air to go around? Hallelujah. The same thing, how much more with the grace of God that there's so, the oxygen of his glory and his presence and his power and his nature is available. Every breath that we take, we inhale the grace of God. 
Now, when we're aware of it, when our hearts are oriented at the reality that grace reigns in the person of Jesus Christ, that we don't have to live under the reign of sin and death. When we live under the reign of sin and death, everything sounds differently, looks differently. When we live under the, the reign of grace and life, everything sounds differently and looks differently. Come on, somebody. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost today? Can I hear you say amen? amen? And this verse is exemplifying this contrast that we are called to live under grace. And we're called to live under this, this outflow of grace. Did you know the Spirit of God is being poured out upon all flesh right now? Amen. So we could do away with all of our striving, old covenant, wanting and striving for revival prayer meetings. Hello. And are trying to beat the devil up. Holla at your boy. Holla at your boy, Jesus, who did it 2,000 years ago. Hello. Hello, man. Jesus has given us what we need, and we have to awaken to that reality and begin to walk in the victorious life that he's provided for us. Come on. Well, you, you mean we don't have to pray for revival? Yeah, but our prayer for revival should be under the reality that the heavens are open and the heavens are raining down life and glory and his presence and his grace. If the church us if we get this revelation can you imagine the glory that will permeate our gatherings and people walk in the door i hear these testimonies now but just wait i anticipate greater people walk in the door man the presence of god is so heavy in this place because we're not thinking we have to ask him to come and fill a room holy spirit come he's already here yo he's closer than you can comprehend don't ask him to fill a room. Ask for his manifest presence. Yes, there's a manifest, tangible, manifest glory of God. But how many you know he's closer than the air that you breathe? If we're still thinking that he's far or thinking we did something wrong or thinking maybe he's not going to come or maybe the presence won't come and fill the church, then you're going to live like you're still in the old covenant. Yeah. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and pray, turn from their wicked ways. And, you know, this, it's an old covenant formula. How many know that that's not the formula for revival under the new covenant? The formula for revival under the new covenant is turn your heart to what God has provided and take away the umbrellas of doubtful things. Take away the umbrellas of jack theology, the umbrellas of tradition and religion and live under the reign of God's grace. Come on. I'm already starting to preach. Y'all need to get with the program. Go back to the cafe. Get some stinking coffee. In Jesus' name, I encourage you in the Lord. Bless you. God has provided. We live under an open heaven. We don't have to strive anymore. Man, we don't have to work for this thing anymore. He has provided. We have to learn to receive it. Well, what does that mean? That means that it's a, do, it's a new paradigm. It's a different place for us. We got to learn how to walk in it. We got to learn who we are so we can do what we're created to do. And so this, this paradigm of grace is, it's a beautiful thing. We can, we can learn that there's more than enough. And every day we get up, just like there's an abundance of air, there's an abundance of grace. And if you get the revelation that grace is flowing from heaven, the spirit of God is being poured out upon all flesh right now. It has been for 2,000 years that we just have to learn how to receive it. We don't have to pray for an outpouring. We have to receive and also pray that like we receive what God's pouring out, but also we need to pray for an outflowing. Like there are rivers. Jesus said, come to me and drink and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. 
Well, I want revival. Well, then become revival. Come on. I'm going to start quoting Smith Wigglesworth up in here. You know, one time he said, if God's not moving, I'll move him. Wow. Well, that's just arrogant. No, that's knowing who you are. You know, when God, it doesn't feel like there's manifest presence in the room. I release it in the room. Well, you can do that. Show enough. Come on, somebody. He lives on the inside of us. His glory, his resonant, abiding glory and rivers of living water come out. When you're, when you're ministering, how many know that you, you can choose to minister life to somebody? You, get, you capture God's heart and you start loving them with the love of God. You start seeing them with the eyes of God. What happens? You've just opened the valve of those rivers of living water to bring freedom to the captives. It's powerful. It's called love. It's called grace. And as we receive his grace, we're in a new paradigm. We're not fighting for stuff anymore. Well, what about spiritual warfare? Well, spiritual warfare is not fighting the devil. It's evicting him out of territory that no longer belongs to him. The enemy has been defeated. We spend way too much time. Does that mean that we, no, we cast demons out. We, we command things to, we, com, we bring light and love into dark places. Come on. I, I truly believe that if we capture this church, we will see just uh, so many things unfold uh, in what things that we've been praying for. Sometimes we pray for things that we've already been given. How many know that we live under an open heaven and God has provided and we have to learn to receive that abundance of grace so that we can walk in the power of the spirit. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter six, turn over to Matthew chapter six, if you would. I'm going to read to you out of the message translation. And I'm going to read to you uh, just a few verses here out of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 25. God teaches us to live in a constant state of anticipation of your grace. You know, I've, I've learned, you know, I've learned through valleys. I've learned through hardships, through believing God for things, and sometimes things not going well. I've learned it's, it's actually strength, strengthens my heart to trust God more. And, and there's times where I'll look back and I'll think about the faithfulness of God. And what it does is it builds like a foundation in my heart to live in this state of anticipation that God at any moment is just going to break through because that's who he is. You learn to trust that he's a good father. And Jesus in Matthew 6 is talking about his papa. He's talking about how papa takes care of us. Come on. God is not some solitary God far away in the sky that we have to wonder if we're on his good side or his bad side. That, that's called a pagan deity. Jesus came to set the record straight and show us what God looks like. He is the revelation of God. Amen. Now, when we let that settle, I don't know about you, but I just felt like the presence of peace just filled this room. The presence of God and his peace just filled this room. I want, I want to say that again. You don't have to worry if you're on God's bad side or God's good side. Now, when we turn away from what he has for us, it might feel like we're on God's bad side, but that's just because we're running. We perceive it differently. You see, fire, if you're not embracing it, metaphorically, is going to feel like it burns. The fire of God's love to those that are opposed to it feels like hell. But the fire of God's love to those that are turned towards it, it's all good. Come on, somebody. 
Like, give me more, Jesus. Let it burn. The love of God. You know, the Bible even says, well, weren't we enemies of God? Yeah, we set ourselves against God. God never set himself against us. If that's the case, why'd Jesus come? If he set himself against us and he would have just left us here on the planet, we would have died. We would have went into non-being is what St. Athanasius said. But St. Athanasius in the fourth century said, no, the reason God became man is because he could not let his creation, because of the love of the Father, he could not us let us lapse into non-being. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Where his offspring, God's like, no, 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 no. Those are my kids. And they've turned away, but I'm going to keep chasing them down and loving them. See, we've looked at the gospel as this thing where we've, we've turned away from God and, you know, you know, it's just too bad. But, but if we, and, and, you know, every once in a while we turn back to God, praise God. No, if you look at the story of the scripture, every time we turn away, we end up face to face with a creator who loves us and who's chasing us down. The woman at the well, the woman who came to the same well. I'm not even preaching the scripture right now. It's okay, y'all. I'm just going to keep flowing. Is that okay? I'm going to ask your permission like you have the mic. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus. The woman at the well who, who came to the same well. You know, a well was known for a place for a woman to find a man. Some believe that's where twerking was invented. I don't know. I don't think so, but that's sick. Jesus, help me. You, you know, this woman, though, she, she wasn't just like this wicked, sinful woman. The Bible doesn't even say that. The author of John, in John chapter 8, calls the woman who's caught in adultery the adulterous woman. But in John chapter 4, he calls her the woman at the well. Why don't we just see her at the woman at the well, not an adulterous, evil woman? Well, but she had five husbands, and the one she was with was not her husband. What, what was Jesus saying? Was he saying that you're sleeping with someone and you've divorced five men? That's not what he said. He said, you've had five husbands. We don't know her past other than she's had five husbands. You know, in the Samaritan culture, just like the Hebrew culture, a husband could leave a wife for anything. I didn't like my Mediterranean pizza. Peace out, girl. I know they probably didn't make that back then, but it just sounded right. Middle Eastern, you know. We don't know if she was left, divorced. We don't know if there was infidelity. We don't know. We presume that because of the lenses we've inherited, how we see God and how we see ourselves. But the Bible says she was just the woman at the well. God, Jesus was God incarnate pursuing the woman at the well. You know that in the original language, there are, there are scholars that believe that when Jesus said, the one you're with now is not your husband, that it actually is the one that you're engaged to has not set a date yet. What if she was rejected? One, two, three husbands, four, five. What if? We don't know. Six. The one that she's engaged to hadn't set a date yet. And then number seven comes along. Prince Charming. His name's Jesus. And he's got the proverbial shoe that fits her foot. He'll give her acceptance and love and value. He says, give me a drink. She heard that before. She heard it from all the guys that she had met there before. Give me a drink. That's a way to holler at somebody. Give me a drink. Let me see how you can handle that well, girl. <laughs> but Jesus comes up, and that, that give me a drink was a wooing into intimacy and healing. 
from the heart of the Father, Jesus, shows up every time in Scripture. When we turn away, God, we're face to face with the loving God every single time. David says, when I go to hell, you're there. I'm here with burning love. It's going to feel like torment. C.S. Lewis says the fire of God's hell are the same, is the same fire of his love. You know, the historical Orthodox Church, that, that's, that's their understanding of hell. It's the fiery love of God. But it feels like torment because they're turned away from the fiery love of God. Oh, that's a rich revelation right there. If you ever had an issue with eternal conscious torment, maybe, you can, maybe that'll help you. God's a loving father. Hell is real. I, I don't understand it all. There's so many different ways to look at it in scripture. You know, there's Hades, there's Sheol, there's, which is the same thing. But, you know, you have, and then you have hell, the translation of hell. But I'm, I'm going to just tell you right now, the understanding of God changes when we read the scripture for what it is. The woman at the well is not a messed up woman that just, you know, like led this adulterous messed up life. No, she was a woman at the well. She was a woman that was broken. She was probably a woman that was rejected over and over and over and over again. Then Jesus shows up and he says, I have something to give you. It's life. I have water to give you where you're never going to thirst again. That thirsting and that longing that you've been coming back to saying, well, come on somebody. This is the message of the gospel of grace that we have water to give people. They're thirsty and God has water to give us. It's called living water and we can receive it. We can receive healing. We can receive acceptance. Every time John chapter eight, the adulterous woman, what happened? You know, did Jesus say, sorry, the law is the law, man. You know, it's, it was Old Testament law. Well, why didn't he? I thought he fulfilled the law. Well, maybe he didn't mean what we think he meant when he said that. Because if he did, then he wouldn't have healed on the Sabbath and he wouldn't have. Hello? I know I'm messing with your theology a little bit. According to the law, the adulterous woman should have been stoned. Death penalty kind of changes our Christian Republican view of the death penalty too, doesn't it? Well, just let them burn. Wait a minute. Jesus, sitting before this woman caught in adultery, looks at her. You know, you, know, you guys know the story. He tells the people with rocks in their hand. We, we see it in our Bibles. You've heard me, some of you heard me say this. We see it in our Bibles, you know, woman caught in adultery. A lot of people, and I believe it should be called men caught throwing rocks. That's a more appropriate title for the passage. Well, does she deserve it? Well, I don't know. Like Jesus said, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. Then he looked at her and said, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Where are your condemners? Where, what if, what if, what if we've missed it the whole time and we're thinking the message of the gospel is, okay, it's heaven or hell, guys. John 3.16, John 3.17, God so loved the world. Then it it talks about that those that don't believe are already condemned. What if the message is, neither do I condemn you? Where are your condemners? God says, neither do I condemn you. Wow, hold on a minute. That kind of throws in a wrench in the, the sign on the corner, turn or burn, those cats, you know what I'm saying? Right? kind of throws a wrench in that whole thing, doesn't it? Maybe the whole time God's like the father in the prodigal son story waiting for his kids to come home. Instead, we painted this picture of a judge 
waiting for them to come to the courtroom and decide whether or not they're going to be declared not guilty. Oh, man, you guys need to get saved right now. I'm just praying for your salvation. Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. Matthew 6, I never got to it. I'll just read a couple verses to you. Verse 25, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes on your closet are in fashion. My wife would not agree with that, but God's still working on her. Come on, somebody. I don't really, I have a hard time. This is a difficult passage of scripture. How many love fashion and shopping? Come on, somebody. <laughs> there is a far more to your life than food you put in your stomach. See, I don't know about that because when I'm eating Thai food, I'm like, Jesus, this is life, an abundant life right now. Woo, glory to God. My man, let's get some Thai food. All right, I'm sorry. More, uh, there's more to life than your outer appearance and clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Look at this. This is so powerful. Careless in the care of God. Grace will bring you into the abounding reality that you can become careless in the care of God. Papa's going to take care of me. Every person that walks in financial abundance has that mentality. Papa's going to take care of me. People that are in poverty worry about, they worship money more than people that are rich. Mostly, mostly. There are people that are the love of money, but the love of money is not just people that are wealthy. That's silly. Some people, they get angry about money. It's, a, it's like, you know, and, and do whatever. They, I mean, poverty can make some people do some crazy stuff. So can greed. But people that walk in abundance, not just financially, every area of their life, have that mentality. Papa's going to take care of me. My dad is a provider. It's just who he is. You know, I grew up, my father is this abundant provider. And all my friends would come around and he instantly would become like a father to him. Not because he tried to, because it's just who he is. And Papa, you, you've got to see him as this, this Papa that just provides. Come on, you, you just ask him. Jesus, over and over, how many times have you seen the scripture? Jesus is like, hey, just ask God and he'll do, ask the father in my name and he'll give you whatever you want. Come on. Even the man crying out, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus says, hey, walks up. What do you want me to do for you? Well, he just said it. He wanted him to ask, Lord, that I might receive my sight. There's something about us coming into the reality. God, even saying it out loud, God, I receive your grace. It's flowing from heaven 24-7 like a mighty rushing waterfall. And if we live in this anticipation, we live in anticipation that anything can happen. Anything, breakthrough can happen at any moment. Like right now, that healing you've been praying for your whole life. Right now, I don't, I've been prayed for by Bill Johnson. I've been prayed for by Jack Coe. I've been prayed for by Kenneth Copeland. And Kenneth, I don't care. Let Jesus pray for you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> It might be a little kid. I heard this amazing story. This, this man, precious man I love dearly, was struggling with depression in such a heavy, heavy way, more than probably has in his entire life. And uh, you know when he got set free, was, we had a prayer time in service, and 
Some little children went up to him and just prayed the love of God over his heart. That's the grace of God. Jesus, he's teaching, you know, the disciples, the, the kids come. The disciples are like, the, the rabbi's talking, please. Put your children in the corner. Go put them over in kids' church, praise God. Jordan, take those kids over in kids' church. And Jesus is like, what are you doing, guys? This is the kingdom. Bring them up and let them sit on my lap. It's a picture of you coming and sitting on Papa's lap and then him whispering in your ear, I'm going to take care of you. What do you need? Now, like literally, he's here. He's asking you, what do you need? Rochelle, how many times does he answer the prayers that have even been spoken? My wife, you live in this anticipation. You, your, your, your heart begins to trust the reality that we have a good papa. We live careless in the care of God. Careless in the care of God. And we're so much more valuable than the birds of the air. God's saying, don't you know how valuable you are? Live careless in my care. So many times my wife and I, and we live in this place of, he's done it, he's going to do it again. He's done it. He's going to do it again. Come on, sis, Tony. He's done it. He's going to do it again. And he'll do it even greater. Time and time and time again, living in a state of anticipation. There was a time that we were struggling financially, my wife and I, and, uh, and my wife needed clothes for Josiah. And now listen, my wife is bougie, man. She don't want like just regular clothes. She don't, like, she's not going to go to Walmart. She wants like Straight up name brand, cool clothes. She wants her kids all cool. Pray for her. Come on, somebody. <laughs> she didn't pray it, but it was just like she voiced it. Said, yeah, I really need to get clothes for Josiah. And we're walking through this time in our life where we're like, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to live careless in your care. The next day, two different people, not knowing anything of that, show up with Huge bag fulls of name brand clothes for Josiah the next day. When I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids, people would show up on my doorstep with groceries. That is the God we serve. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, Papa's going to take care of you. The reality of living in the anticipation of grace the expectation of grace that it abounds to you is living in a constant state that God's going to break through at any moment. He's done it before. He's going to do it again. Are you hearing me this morning? This is the reality of who God is. He pursues us with his love and he just can't wait to give us gifts. He's just so abounding in mercy. He's the father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Come on, he is the giver of good gifts. Can you say amen? When we planted the church, we started in a coffee shop. Come on, somebody. Who is actually at the first gathering? If you're in the room, raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Wow. Isn't that cool? Sarah, you were there? Wow. I didn't even know you were born yet. No, I'm just kidding. It's my daughter. It was nine years ago. She's older than nine. So there were some other people here that were at first service that were actually there too, probably about five or six, but we had maybe what, 15 people in a coffee shop. Didn't know what we were doing. Still don't sometimes. <laughs> you, you want a confident seasoned pastor? You came to the wrong church. Well, I'm confident. Yeah, I'm pretty confident, sometimes overly, but yeah, praise God. 
But listen, sometimes we don't know what we're doing. We didn't know what we're doing. We're like, we're having church. Come on, somebody. Right up in this coffee shop. You were there, sis. We got kicked out. We were way too loud. (laughs) Kicked out after the gathering. I mean, I got to preach and we got to worship. Didn't work, though. Went to a VFW. We lived in anticipation. God, you're going to provide a place for us to gather. You told us to do it. You said it. We're going. We're going. His angels go before us. We're going. We're going. You're going to provide. There's provision coming. And so we went to VFW, and uh, we, uh, we met there for maybe like four weeks. And I, I'll never forget our first Sunday there. Somebody that was helping Kids Church posted uh, on social media. And at that time, that was MySpace. <laughs> what? And, uh, and she's like, having fun in Kids Church. And the picture is the kids, a pool table, and a bar with a bunch of liquor behind it. <laughs> Hey, God provided, praise God. The bar was not open. Don't worry, your kids are safe. But God provided. We didn't know where we were going to go. We're taking offerings. The shortest offering in the history of our church was taken by my wife. She said, let's pray for the offering. Father, bless the offering in Jesus' name, amen. Pretty much that's what it was. That was the offering. We probably should have taken some intentional time to say, church, we actually need to raise some money because we need the whole amount to go into the school that we're going into. And guess what? God spoke to a few people and more than enough came in way beyond what our previous three or four offerings were as a, just a brand new church plant. Why? Because Papa's going to take care of us. We moved into the school. God moved. We're like, God, I I think you're calling us to downtown Henderson because you've been speaking to us the whole time about God raising up an army in Henderson and and God bringing the floodgates of his presence and flooding Las Vegas. And, And we renamed the city. The Lord said, don't call it Sin City, call it Revival City. Just like our, our uh, outreach pastor, Travis, he renamed Vegas Saint City. Come on. You can buy a t-shirt from him. We renamed, we began to call Vegas what God called Las Vegas. We felt like God called us to the, the heart of Henderson. So we walk, I'm walking down uh, the, uh, I'm walking down Water Street and with a friend, I'm praying, we're talking. Can you imagine church down here? I don't know where we'd have church, but imagine, wouldn't that be cool? We walk across the street, some sweet black lady walks across the street, says, you know what? As soon as I looked at you and saw you and you stepped off the curb, I felt the Holy Ghost. And she started prophesying over our ministry. She knew nothing about us. What? Supernatural. This is before we even had a church down there. And then we're looking for a building and we find this one building. We think, hey, this would be kind of cool right on Water Street pastors, oh, they're not going to give you the use permit. We tried. Three different pastors says it's not going to work. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, God's broke through. He did it once. He's going to do it again. We end up finding this building. It's not for rent. We pray. A week later, rent sign in the building window. True story. The, the, the property manager gives us an amazing deal. What we, below what we are believing God for, for another building. Half, 50% off. That's a good deal, shoppers. Come on, somebody. (laughs) The God of the breakthrough. Then we realize, well, God's raising up an army in Henderson, the floodgates. We realize the cross streets to the building are water and army. You You know when you're walking in favor and everything's prophetic and you're like, it's 444 and you're thinking north, south, east, west, glory to God. The gospel's going to the nations. It's 1111, Isaiah 1111. It's 2222. That's military time. Never mind. Isaiah 20, he's going to open doors that cannot be. Anyways, it was like 
it was God. It was God. It was God. God did it once. He's going to do it again. And guess what? We went to the city council to get the use permit approved. Every one of them, bam, yes, bam, yes, bam. How could they say no when God said something to us and we said yes to him? All we're going to, we might encounter a few no's here or there, but how many know if you have his word and you have his grace, there's more than enough for you to tell every stinking mountain, get out of the way. Come on. What mountain is in your way right now? Let faith arise in your heart and you out loud say, God, I receive your grace. This is more than enough. And I commend this mountain. God, just go on over there in the ocean like you don't even exist. Just fall and crumble in the depths of the ocean. I'm telling you, this is the grace of God. Jesus is teaching about his papa. Learn to live careless. I'm going to finish reading this. We're going to close. You ready? No more commentary. No more commentary. I'm going right through it. I'm going to dismiss you. (laughs) Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes much of a difference, Rochelle? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm just playing. (laughs) I'm just as bad as her, man. We're celebrating someone's anniversary, and one of my favorite stores is like across the street, and I'm like, you know, my boy's over there. You give me 20% off. I can run home and get some jeans. Come on, somebody. I text him. He's there. Rochelle drops me off on Las Vegas Boulevard. I run across the street. The thing's like eight, seven, six, and there's cars coming. I'm like, I'm going to get these jeans. Come on, somebody. I got my jeans. They're too big. I got to take them back. All right. That's better than too small, though, huh? All right. All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think that makes much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out in the fields, look at the wildflowers. They don't primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. God, Jesus is saying, would you, I said no commentary. Let me just keep reading. Verse 30. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which have never even are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? Come on. Are you feeling the wind on this word? If God did it before, he's going to do it again. If God did it before, Tracy, if God did it before, he's going to do it again. And all the money's going to come and all the dreams will be fulfilled and the multitudes will be saved. Come on. If God did it before, he's going to do it again. It's who God is. He's a good papa and he can't wait to bless you. He can't wait because he's given you what you need by grace. It abounds. There's more than enough for you. I said no commentary. Let me keep reading. I had to preach a little bit though. That's different. If God gives such attention, come on. He says, how much more will he attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Oh, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, please. Will you stop praying and just receive? Yeah, ask, but ask like this, like you're, receive. Just learn. We got to learn how to receive, don't we, Lee? We got to learn how to receive. It's like receiving a big hug. You know, some people don't like to be hugged. I love holding on to those people longer just to make them 
scare the introvert right out of him. No, I'm just playing. I'm a bit of an introvert too sometimes. But how many know, like, we just got to let God love us and just, just respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he, he works fuss over these things. But you know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Oh, man, you later underline that. Like, write it down. Screenshot it on your phone. The message translation, verse 33. That is, that is the famous seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God's going to take care of him. God's going to take care of you. Don't worry. Just set your heart on his kingdom, the reign of his love, and his righteousness that he's given you. He says, don't worry about missing out. You'll find out all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Live in the grace of today. You, you guys remember when William Paul Young said, if I could just tell you one thing, learn to live inside the grace of one day. <sighs> Wake up in the morning. Oh, man, grace. Oh, we're running out of air. No. <laughs> no, we're not. It's polluting. There's plenty of air in the country. Move to the country. Come on, somebody. We're running out of water. You know how much oceans are in the world? That's salty. They have technology to change that. I want you to just think about that for a minute. Oh, the planet's not. No, 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 no. It's more than Oh, I'm running out of time. No, time is a commodity from heaven given to you. Think of it as like wind flowing towards you. Just receive it and just receive it and act upon it the way God tells you to. Oh, I have no time. For, no, you don't. You just have to value the right things and you'll have plenty of time to do what you're supposed to do. Come on. Well, time and money and we're worrying about everything. Time and money and oh, God, there's plenty. There's grace. God, Papa's going to take care of you. That's the mentality Jesus is trying to, he, Jesus is trying to show us what house Papa works. Come sit in my lap. I'll take care of you. Amen. Amen. We all blessed today. Come on, let's just seal thanks and say, thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision. We love you, Father. Oh, Papa, we love you. You're so good. I want to close right now. I want to just ask you to pray with me, and then I'm going to dismiss you, and we'll have our prayer team come up. So if you need prayer for anything, we'll, we would be honored to just minister to you, pray for you, prophesy. If you need healing, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, whatever it is, we're here to just serve you, to love you. If you need your feet spiritually washed from domineering leadership, we're here to do that too. Because we're a church that believes the greater the authority, the greater the servanthood. And, and I'm saying this because I, I truly believe there are people here that have been I think all of us have at one time or another, but there's specific things. Maybe there's wounds in your heart. And, and I just want to, I just want to pray that God spiritually just washes your feet and, uh, and you get free from that pain because it should not have happened that way. It's not who Jesus is. And, and sometimes people, we do things that are, that are opposed to really his heart for people. And so I pray that you receive God's grace in that area of your life because power and authority does not mean control in the kingdom of God. This is why God actually consents in his own sovereignty to allow things to actually happen according to laws, natural laws, spiritual laws. We have our own free will. 
God chooses not to exhaustively control. That's called a control freak that's insecure. That's not God. God's God. Come on. And if he's really sovereign, he can do that. So control and, and that type of authority, that, that type of authority, that's not what God calls us to do. So I want to just pray for you right now. Is that okay, Rochelle? Is that okay? Uh, can we lift our hands right now and just take a deep breath and just receive his grace for you? Father, would you just do that one more time? And as you do, just let the Spirit of God manifest presence, flood your being. He's closer than the air that you breathe. I pray every weight, concern, care, worry, fear, anxiety, anything of that nature would just fall right now under the weight of your grace. We lay down the weights. We pick up the weight of your glory. We pick up your burden. It's, it's light and easy. We, we learn of you and we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We learn that there's, there's a rhythm to grace. It's like swaying back and forth to music. There's a and it's, it's really, it's the song of heaven. It's the song of the father's love over you that he loves you and that you're his kid and Papa's gonna take care of you. So with your hands raised, Father, I bless your people. May we get a greater revelation of the abounding grace that reigns from heaven. And may we live in anticipation of that grace. And may we begin to trust you for greater breakthrough in every, whatever we are believing God for. He did it once, he can do it again. If you're watching online, I bless you right now. Those of you that are watching online, I pray the presence of God just flood your entire being right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. <sighs> Give me just a minute. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit Would you just with your hands raised say I receive refreshing grace right now Thank you Lord put your hand on the shoulder of someone nearby someone you came with or ask permission, say, can I pray with you? And I want you to take 30 seconds to a minute, and I want you to just pray right now, empowerment of grace over their life. Grace, like rain, grace, like fire, grace, like the glory of God right now, flooding your entire being right now in the name of Jesus. Provision, abundance. Come on, pray, saints, just for a minute. Father, touch your people. Thank you, Lord. Pray for your kids if they're here. Pray for your spouse or friend, sister, brother. Say, Lord, would you just touch? You know what they need? So let the need be met by grace. Right now, we receive it by faith. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Now take one real big drink of the wine of his love right now. Come on, just pretend you have a big bottle of his wine. It's, it's not real wine, but communion. And just, just drink. Say, oh, Father, I drink it in right now.
<laughs> God is so good. God is so good. I could prophesy over about 20 people right now. Maybe I will when we call you up for prayer, but uh, I just pray that you were blessed today. I love you with all my heart. And I pray that as we all need a greater revelation of grace, that we just continue to realize we have just barely begun to discover how much the Father loves us. Just barely begun to discover how much the Father loves us. Amen? Behold what manner of love the Father has on us. Thank you, Lord.